Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Hello. Good morning. I want to go ahead and just dive right into a passage of scripture that we don't normally teach about. You probably have not heard taught about very much in church in the past. It's found in Matthew chapter 27, verse 1 says this. Early in the morning, all of the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Today, as we look at this, this particular passage exposes us to an area that is one of the greatest inhibitors to a person becoming who they were created to be or accomplishing the assignment in which they were created to exist. In other words, as we look at this passage, we see that it reveals through the story of Judas um, the danger to anyone who does not intentionally and aggressively and assertively tend to the condition of their soul. Anyone who does not intentionally, aggressively, and assertively tend to the condition of their soul. So we are beginning a series today where we are going to talk uh, about an issue that not too many people are talking about, and that is the importance of our emotional health. And I, I don't want it to be my opinion. I don't want it to be any other man's opinion. So uh, what I ask for today is that you would join with me and pray. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to come in this room and speak to us uh, right now. Would you do that with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. And we pray right now in this room that your presence would be here as it already has been in this room, that you would stay with us now. And that, God, we ask that we would see Jesus today, that we would understand your love for us more, understand what you want for us more and how you created us uh, today so that we could walk in the fullness of what you want for us. Bless each and every person in here, uh, people that have struggles and, and difficulties going on in the inside. We pray that you would lighten us today and help us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, we recognize in Scripture that, that we are told that how God wired us. We see that the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians expresses to us that, that man is wired with three distinctively different parts. And we find this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. It says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we learn here in Scripture that every human being is made up of three parts. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. A spirit enables us to be able to relate with God. And our body enables us to be able to relate with His creation, with the natural world. But our soul allows us to be able to relate with both. 
And the soul is probably the most misunderstood aspect of our identity, the most misunderstood aspect of who we are. And we see that all throughout scriptures, the word soul is used to refer to the mind, the will, and the emotions of a human being. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you have a spirit, you have a body, but you have a soul, and that encompasses your entire mind, your will, in your emotions, we got to recognize that we are not just a spiritual being, and we're not just a physical being, but we are also an emotional being. And this is something that for us to live a healthy life, we have to understand, because so many times we don't understand this, and we get it confused, and we try to fix spiritual issues with, with physical things, or we try to fix emotional things with physical things, and it's only when we start to understand that God created us with these three different aspects of who we are that we can start to become healthy in all of these different areas, because each of these different areas has needs, we all recognize that we have physical needs. And with our physical needs, there will be signals that our body will send in order to be able to tell us that, that we have to pay attention to that need. So you might be sitting here right now going, I am hungry right now. You know, I, I, I am thirsty. And I think for some of you, maybe, maybe we should ignore the little hunger um, thing as it comes up every once in a while. I know that's been a struggle for me lately. I've been trying to take that signal as it comes up and think, I don't have to answer the hunger signal every time it comes up. But there's a warning that comes with this. is Anytime you are receiving a signal from your body that you need rest, that you need water, that you need food. These aren't things that you can just continue to push off. The more we push them off, they could actually become destructive to us. Our body has needs that has to be taken care of when it comes to our spiritual life. Our spiritual life has needs. Spiritually, we have the need in order to be able to be in communion with our Heavenly Father, to be in close and intimate relationship with Him. That's why Jesus describes to us in John chapter 4 that, that there is a thirst for Him. That it doesn't matter how much you acquire, you can be wealthy. You can buy the house that you've always wanted and the car that you've always wanted. You could have the dream job. You could have the, the man or the woman of your dreams. You could acquire it all, but still on the inside, there's a thirst that Jesus talks about that can only be quenched by the presence of God. See, th then your spirit will start to send signals to you to tell you, hey, um, th there's a need here spiritually, and you might start to feel like you're far from God. You might start to receive feelings that, that are telling you maybe uh, you need to spend a little time, more time with God. Maybe um, you're a little more irritable. And these are things that are trying to, to get you to pay attention to what's really going on in your spirit. Because it might be for a certain season, it's going to be different how you take care of your spirit. That, that for a certain season, you might start feeling like you're being led to worship more and sing more worship songs or, or read to, uh, led to read your Bible and journal more or led uh, to spend more time praying and fasting or some sort of spiritual discipline. In, in, in different seasons, we start to recognize there are signals that are coming up that are saying, hey, you've got to pay attention here because there's a need that's going unmet. But we also recognize that if we're created to be spirit, soul, and body, that our soul has needs too. And that our soul will send signals to us in the form of emotions that, that will begin to signal to us what's really going on on the inside. 
So if there's a need for us in, in the soul realm, if there's a need that's taking place, then all of a sudden emotions will start to light up and they are the signals for us. Do you realize that, that bitterness is a signal? That hurt is a signal? That fear is a signal? That anxiety is a signal? That, that depression is a signal? That anger is a signal? Disappointment? Is a signal. Grief, these are all signals that when we feel rejected, when we feel hurt, that when things are taking place on the emotional realm and they're, they're lighting up, what's happening here is that our, 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 our soul is trying to get us to pay attention to something that's taking place deeper that, that needs us to tend to a need there. See, there, our emotions are, are kind of like check engine lights on the dashboard of our life. That they're important. We need them. And see, they're, they're intended to lead us and provoke us to give attention to the real problem of what's going on. See, emotions are supposed to be indicators in our lives, not dictators. But I don't want you to hear today that I'm saying that emotions are a bad thing and feelings are a bad thing. Because they're not a bad thing at all. They're, in fact, a very good thing. An indicator light in your car is a very good thing. It's something that we need and we need to pay attention to. I remember when I was 14 years old, my sister uh, was 16, she's two years older than me, and she always carried around with her pictures of her boyfriend. Like, in, like she didn't carry a phone like the teenagers do today. She had pictures of her boyfriend with her, and she'd always be so, isn't he so gorgeous? Like, oh my gosh, right? Oh my gosh. Like, put the picture down. You look crazy, right? Come on. And like, I'm the little brother picking on her and stuff like this. Well, she always had to have these pictures with her. And I remember one day that I was with my dad at the office and I got a call um, uh, to come to his office. So I came in and he said, we got to go pick up your sister. Her car broke down. So we drive up and we, we see her car on the side of the road. It was a little Toyota Corolla and the hazard lights are blinking and there's smoke coming all out of the engine and stuff. And we pull up there and, and my dad's like, what happened? She goes, I don't know. It just made a, a loud noise and stopped. And like, well, were there lights blinking or anything? And she says, I don't know. He goes, what do you mean you don't know? Was there a light in front of you that was blinking? She I don't know. So he goes and looks at her dashboard, and she's got the picture of her boyfriend all over, taped over all this. Because who needs to know how fast you're driving, right? She's got it taped all over the dashboard, all over the blinking lights. And there is a check engine light that has been flashing for who knows how many months. That is saying, there's a problem here. But she didn't pay attention to the indicator. And my sister ended up broke down on the side of the road because she had an indicator light that was flashing and she decided to cover it up. And I wonder though, when it comes to our emotional lights, how often do we have the indicator lights that are flashing? Saying, oh, pay attention to this. There's something wrong here. You're angry for a reason here. You're hurt for a reason here. And we think, <coughs> excuse me. We think, I don't want to show anyone that. I don't want to have to look at that. I don't want to pay attention to it. So we put on the cover up. Like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm happy. And man, I, I get so frustrated with how good we get at this as Christians where we walk around with this beautiful smile. Oh, everything's wonderful. Jesus is good. Jesus is fine. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. we got the smile on our face on the inside. We've got lights flashing at us going, there's a problem here. 
pay attention to the problem here. Because we look at our lives and we see that like there's so many reasons we should be happy. I'm so blessed. I've got so many things going on. My kids are healthy. There's all this going on. And we think, after all, he forgave me of my sins. After all, I'm healthy. And we start looking at the fact that God has blessed us spiritually. And we start looking at the fact that he's blessed us when it comes to our physical lives. And, and we ignore the fact. Why is it we ignore the fact that our soul is saying, pay attention to me. There's something going on that you need to present before your heavenly father. There's, a, there's an indicator light that's flashing and saying like, listen, you, you got to pay attention because if you don't pay attention to this indicator light, you're going to end up broken down. You're going to end up stuck on the side of the road going, I don't know how I ever got here where all along God said, listen, I built into you, I created into you these, these emotions, these feelings, these these indicators that I want you to pay attention to. And it's interesting because all through Scripture we see that there's wonderful teaching on how we're to manage our body. There's wonderful teaching on how we're to manage our spirit when it comes to spiritual disciplines and worshiping and praying and fasting. But and then, then we also, why is it we ignore the fact that there's so much wonderful teaching on how we're supposed to manage our soul? Because it's full uh, the Bible's full of how we're supposed to manage our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. In fact, we see in James chapter 1, it starts talking about how to manage our soul. Now first, before I read this, i got to make very clear, um, as a Christ follower, we understand that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, your spirit gets saved. That means you have a home forever in heaven tied up. That means when you die, your spirit will go to be with the Lord. Your spirit is saved. That part of you at, at asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins is saved. Your body will be saved. That's what the Bible talks about as resurrection or glorification, that when you die, um, you will receive a heavenly body for living in the presence of God in heaven. So your spirit is saved, your body will be saved, but your, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions is being saved. The entire time you're on this planet, you are in the process of your mind, your will, and your emotions being saved. That's what we see here in Scripture. We recognize in James 1, he says this, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word that is able to save your mind, your will, and your emotions, your, your soul. Do you see this? He, he's talking to believers here. James is talking to a group of people who are already saved. They already have a home forever in heaven. He's talking to them about their mind, their will, and their emotions. And he's saying something. He wants us to acknowledge something that every one of us have to acknowledge if we ever want to get healthy emotionally. That's, I need my mind, my will, and my emotions to continually be saved. Because that means I can be a born-again believer, but I can still have some pretty horrible thoughts. I can be a born-again believer, but I can still go back and do some things on Friday night that I wish I didn't do. I can be a born-again believer and have a smile on my face, but be struggling with doubts and, and unbelief on the inside. I, I, can, I can be saved, but then on, the, on this soul realm, my mind, my will, and my emotions, I've got I've to continually bring it into alignment with God's plan for my life. See... I think that's one of the biggest frustrations I've talked to 
uh, talk to people in our church about when it comes to getting saved is how often someone will come in and they'll say, you know what, I struggled with this addiction, I struggled with that problem, I struggled with pornography, I struggled with this, I struggled with that, and I got saved and I expected it to all go away. <laughs> no, you got saved and your spirit is now ready to go to heaven, but, but all the rest of this, we're still a work in progress. All the rest of what's going on in my mind. So for some of us, you got to hear that. And I believe God wants you to hear this right now. you got to pick your head up. Because you're walking around. You're saved. You're forgiven. And you're walking around dejected like you're, you're, you're screwed up somehow because you're feeling like I should be perfect. No one should be perfect yet. We're all a work in progress. And we are all loved by the same Heavenly Father. The same Jesus who died for us. He died for us because you're not perfect. So pick your head up and be excited about the fact that God made provision for you. He made provision for the fact that every one of us, like, we've got issues. And we've got to bring those issues to God. And see, we, we recognize here that, that God doesn't want us to just be led by our emotions. He doesn't want, he, he doesn't want us to turn the indicator lights that he's put in the console of our lives. He doesn't want to turn those into dictator lights. Because that's how a lot of us live. We, we, we recognize that if I don't take control of my emotions and submit them underneath the authority of God, the influence of God, what's going to happen is we recognize that my emotions are going to make me submit to their influence and I'm going to start living my life under the influence of my feelings. And, and that's why Jesus decides to come and serve as a shepherd to, to take us and shepherd the emotions of our lives into his leadership. and He says, follow me. He says, do it my way because he knows if we, if we just do life the way we feel like doing it, we're going to lead towards destruction. So again, I want to remind you that, that feelings are not a bad thing. They're indicators. They're a good thing. And and every one of us are going to experience feelings in our life. It, we're going to experience anger in our life. We're going to experience disappointment. We're going to experience grief. But it's one thing, church, it's one thing to have anger. It's a completely different thing to let anger have you. It, it's one thing to have disappointment, but it's a completely different thing to live your life with disappointment having you. It's one thing to have grief. Don't you know we're going to go through things in life. You're going to lose loved ones. There's going to be pain that we go through. We're going to have grief. But, but we're not supposed to let grief have us. The Bible tells us we can have anger but don't sin. We, we, we can have grief but don't let it have us. We recognize that David said in Psalms 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, See, what happens is there's going to be valleys. There's going to be shadows of death. And, and what David says is, even though I walk through the valley, like, you're, you're going to experience grief, but don't sit down in it. You're going to experience disappointment, but, but don't make a bed in it. Don't invite your friends to come get in my grief with me, get in my disappointment with me, get in with all these things that are making me angry right now. You're going to have it. But he said, no, we walk through it. So you're going to have pain, but walk th keep walking. Keep walking. That's, that's the thing about following Jesus is, is he takes a step and we follow him. And he takes another step and we follow him. And sometimes we go through valleys. And when we're tempted to sit down, we got to recognize that our Savior kept walking. We got to keep walking. High five someone and tell them, keep walking. Keep walking. You're going to make it through this. 
See, when I talk about being stuck in your emotions, that's the subtitle of this message. I'm not talking about having emotions, having feelings, because you're, you're going to have them. We're going to have these things. But when I'm, when I'm talking about being stuck in them, I'm talking about actually being led by them, making decisions out of them. When I talk about being in your emotions, I'm, I'm literally talking about living inside your emotions. Now, what's interesting is there's a lot of us in this room that walk around in life like this. But it's emotional, so we, we don't see it. We, we can't see it clearly. It's hidden. So we walk through life, and, and we make decisions sometimes based out of my anger, based out of my rejection, based out of my hurt. And I start, anytime I start making decisions based out of this place, um, I, start, I start doing things where I'm acting illogically, and I'm loving illogically, and, and I'm working illogically, and, I, and I'm taking time for myself that I should be working and working and, and getting it all messed up. I'm doing it all illogically because I'm working from a place of my feelings as opposed to a place of being led by the Spirit. And anytime you've ever done that, have you ever stepped away from a season of your life where you looked back and you looked at all the decisions you made when you were hurt or angry or sad and you went, God, what was I thinking when I did that? And you got to know this, church. you got to understand when you're stuck in your feelings, it takes stepping out of your feelings in order to be able to step into a place where you have the potential to be able to follow God anywhere he wants you. But i got to tell you, the challenge is this, is uh, I can move around just fine like this. And that's why so many of us walk around with, well, you don't know what they did to me in the past. And you really don't understand that, like, I just can't catch a break. Things keep happening the way they do, and that's why I'm stuck the way I am. So we walk around in life like this, and it's fine. You can, you can maneuver through life like this until you get to a door of destiny. Until you get to the place where God is trying to call you to bless you. And then, then you start realizing, wait a minute. Uh, God, would you please give me the breakthrough I want? And he's saying it's right there. But I, I, I can't make it. So then, then we start praying like, God, I need, I need a relationship that's going to be healthy. I want, I want a good spouse. I want a, a good place to work. And we pray for God to open the door. And God says, okay, I'll open the door. But, but you can't get through the door if you're still stuck in the box. There's some places you can't go if, if you're still trying to carry all of this stuff around, if you're being led by your feelings, led by your emotions. So how often do we pray, God, would you give me that breakthrough I want? And he's like, I'll give it to you, but you're not ready for it yet. There's some things you've got to shut off first. There might be some things you've got to let go of first. Now you've got to understand, there, there are people that get farther in life than other people do, and it's not because they're smarter, it's not because they have more resources, it's not because of anything like that, it's because they know what to shed. They know that there's certain places I can't take this with me. If I want to get to the destiny of where God wants me to go, there's certain places I can't go. And, and maybe it's not just the places we go, but maybe it's the people we pray for. God, I'll I want a relationship. I want it so bad. I want someone to come up next to me. And, and God opens the door and he's trying to send someone into your life that will be a help for you. But because we're stuck in the door, they can't even get to us. 
We're saying, well, you don't understand though. They hurt me so bad. They betrayed me so bad. And we are basing the way that we're living our relationships off of a past season where someone hurt you and they used you and they took from you. And now God's trying to send you someone. They don't need anything from you. They want to give to you. They want to help you. And you won't receive the help because we're stuck in our emotions. Sometimes we can't get into the place of destiny we want because we're walking around being led by our emotions. You go, well, pastor, give me an example of that. What are you actually saying right now? Well, Moses, he's a great example of that. Moses, wonderful, godly man. God used him in so many powerful ways. He, he received the Ten Commandments from God. He went down and faced Pharaoh, and, and in facing Pharaoh, the power of God was showed to, to the Egyptian nation through the Israelite nation, and all of this taking place, the exodus took place, where Moses then went out and stretched out his hand, and the oceans parted, the Red Sea parted, so that they could have breakthrough and move out into the wilderness. He went up onto the mountain and had such an intimate relationship and encounter with God that he came back, and people were scared of him because his entire countenance had changed, and his his face was glowing. He was a man who had deep, intimate, close relationship with God. And when it came time for him to get to his destiny, the promised land, he didn't make it in. Why? Because he had anger stuck on his box. Because there was an issue that God kept trying to shine the light on, saying, I'm trying to get you ready for something. And because he never dealt with the anger, he let it turn into disappointment and rage and not trusting God anymore, and he started striking rocks that he was supposed to speak to, and now, now the trust had left, and God's saying, I, I had this place prepared for you, I got the door open, but there's some things you have to shed off first. See, anytime that we're living a life inside of our feelings, inside of our emotions, and we're allowing our emotions to lead us, it causes us to make horrible decisions. Another example of this would be who we just read about starting this service off, and that's Judas. We all know that Judas betrayed Jesus, but I want to slow down and look at some details of this before, because maybe there's some details in this you haven't looked at before. Maybe we just slow down and look at this, because we recognize that Judas, as one of Jesus' disciples, had a very close, intimate relationship with Jesus. He walked with him every day. He, they, they slept in the same building every day. They'd go places together. He'd hear the teachings. He'd serve together. He was closer to Jesus than many other people. But he didn't get as far as other people did. I'll say that again. Judas was closer to Jesus than a lot of other people were, but he did not get as far as other people did. Why? Because he was operating outside of his feelings. He was living his life in, in, in a place of manipulation, in a place of, uh, uh, of trying to cause things to work out for him the way he wanted it to. So in all of this, he, we recognize he, he walked with Jesus every day. He, they go town to town. He, he literally learned from Jesus. He'd sit down and listen to his teachings, and then he would also serve with Jesus everywhere they go. They minister together. So he's thinking he's good, right? Because I, I walk with Jesus, I learn from Jesus, I, I serve with Jesus, I work with him. So everything's good. But because um, he still had issues that he was unwilling to bring before Jesus, he still had stuff on his box that he was unwilling to step out of, it led him to betray Jesus. 
Judas loved Jesus. We know that Judas loved Jesus. Why would you say that? We know that because he, the Bible says he had remorse. When he betrayed Jesus, he, he was full of remorse. So with that remorse, it came from a place of love. He loved Jesus, but he still betrayed him. You, you can betray someone you love if you're living inside the box. If you're stuck inside your feelings. And they, let me give you like a little, for the single adults in this room, let me give you a little tip that will help you when it comes to your dating and finding someone to marry. Every person in this room has a box, okay? Every one of us has a box. The trick before you get married is you've got to find out what they have written on their box. Because... Because these issues on the front of the box, if they're not dealt with, if we're not bringing them to God, it, it could take someone who loves you and cause them to betray you. Not because they want to, but because they're, they're living out of a place of their emotions. And we see that Judas, the, the, the Bible says that, that he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But then once he received the silver, he threw it away wasn't really what he wanted. I mean, you, sometimes we will do things for things that we don't really want. It's like I, I'm striving for something and I betray things and I hurt people and I do all for stuff that I didn't even really want. It, it says that, that he, he betrayed Jesus and then he had so much remorse that he went out and then he ended his life over something that he could have been forgiven for. Church, did you hear me? Ju Judas made some stupid decisions. And in his remorse, he ended his life over something that he could have been forgiven for. He, he betrayed Jesus for something that Jesus could have provided for him in the first place. Right? He, he betrayed Jesus for, for, for money. You're saying, I, I just want money, and i got to manipulate and, and twist around and scheme to get money. And, and we recognize, because we saw in Matthew 17, the disciples needed money. So Jesus told Peter, I want you to go out and catch fish, and there's going to be money in that fish's mouth. And he went out and caught a fish. Jesus is like, listen, Judas, I could have showed you how to get money. But we can assume something about Judas's past caused him to believe that the way you get ahead in life, because he's, he's been hurt, is you gotta scheme for things. Nobody's watching out for me but me, so I gotta, I gotta take care of me first. I'm gonna worry about me first, and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to take care of me. And, and, and he pushed, and he schemed, and he plotted. He was like trying to bargain his way through life, and now he's bargaining with God. Man, don't you know you don't need to bargain with God? Church, we pray prayers like, God, if you just do this for me, then I promise you, I'll be in church every week, right? I promise you, if you just do this for me, then and it's like, God's like, I don't need anything you have. I will do it for you because I love you. I'll do it for you because I created you. You're my child, and I have a plan and hope for you. Don't you know your heavenly Father? He wants to bless you. He wants to give to you. You don't need to bargain with God because it's not based off of anything we do. It's based off of how good he is. And here Judas is. Allowed the emotions of his life to lead him to a place where he then compounded the difficulty with making the worst ultimate decision you can make. 
Why? Because he was stuck in a box. To contrast that, we look at Peter. In church, this is where I get, I, I get excited. and I, I, I'm so thankful for this because we look at Peter and Peter denied Jesus. We see that right in Peter, uh, uh, right in the time that Peter promised Jesus, I'll be there with you. I got your back. Jesus needed him the most. He needed people around him the most. Peter betrayed Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter betrayed Jesus. And, and what happened here is Peter, after betraying Jesus and denying him, he left the ministry work, left, left serving Jesus. And he went back and said, I'm just going to go be a fisherman. I give up on all this. And he was hurting and he was sad and living a life in his decisions where he allowed uh, remorse to drive him to a really bad place. But in contrast to what Judas did is Peter just kept on keeping on. He kept on living his life. He kept on trusting God. He knew he made a mistake until finally one day Jesus himself came and found Peter exactly where he is and said, I'm here to show you I love you and I can restore you and I can bring back everything that you thought you lost. And church, I want to tell you, I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit right now, there is someone in this room, you made a mistake and you think that you can't ever get back what you lost and he is saying, I am here to restore to you what you think you've lost because you, you are my my child and I love you you can't give up you can't give up on life and think you know the end of the story Judas thought he knew the end of the story and unfortunately he didn't where Peter he, he was wondering he was scared and he kept on hanging on until finally our Savior does what he did and he comes and finds us and he's looking for you right now he's looking to say doesn't matter what mistakes you've made doesn't matter how bad you betrayed me, how bad you've hurt me, what you've done in hurting other people and living a life from your emotions. What I want to do is I want to restore you. And the difference here is that Judas, all he had to do is go to Jesus. But he never saw it. Because he thought, if I, if I walk with Jesus and I learn from Jesus and I serve Jesus, that's enough. Never knowing that all he needed to do was allow God to shine the light on the real issue of what was going on in his heart. I want to encourage you right now to bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe that there's many of us in this room that uh, right now you recognize you need to go to Jesus. You've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ or you've had a relationship with him and just like Peter, you've walked away. You've made mistakes and you walked away. And I want to encourage you, this is an opportunity right now where, where you can give your life back to Jesus. He is waiting there with open arms. He's been searching for you. It's no accident that you're here today hearing this message because he set all this up to show his love to you because he wants to draw you back into his arms. He wants to restore to you the life that, that he had originally intended for you. So I want to just... This was not originally a part of this sermon. I just, I'm feeling led by the Spirit right now that there are many of you that want to give your lives to Jesus. And with no one looking around, I want to ask you, if you need to start a relationship with Jesus right now, go ahead and put your hand up. And it just is a confession that, yeah, I need Jesus. I, I need to go back to him. I need forgiveness. I need him to be my Savior. Yeah, there's a lot of hands that just went up. I thank you all for your honesty. And this is what I want to do. Every one of us praying a prayer right now. This is a repeat after me prayer so that no one feels left out. We're all going to repeat this prayer together. So those brothers and sisters in this room that just raised their hands will feel comfortable in praying this right now. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, 
I ask for your forgiveness. I need a savior and I've failed you. So please forgive me of my sins and give me a home forever in heaven. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again so that I could have life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, um, I want to congratulate any of you that just prayed that prayer for the first time. That's, that's beginning a relationship with God. That, that's the most important thing you've ever done in your life. The most important thing you ever will do in your life is having a relationship with Jesus. But as we're talking about in this series right now, as we're talking about today, okay, you, you got your spirit tied up in heaven, but we have a soul, our mind, and our will, and our emotions that, that man, it, it needs to come in alignment with God. And what we're going to be doing in this series over this next couple of weeks is we are going to, to be praying. And what I believe is going to happen is God is going to begin to reveal to us what's really going on in our lives. Why the indicator light, lights in our car are flashing and saying there's issues, you're angry, you're hurt. Why all these things are going on so that he can reveal to us what's going on, those areas that we need healing. Not just managing our emotions, there's a difference. You can go through life managing your hurt, managing your pain every day, but, but the gospel offers more to you than that. Jesus offers more than that. He says, I came to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to heal what's going on in your life. And I believe over this next couple of weeks, as we commit to a, as a church family together and, and leaning into God, he is going to begin to show us as individuals what's going on on the inside of each of our lives so he can begin to heal us so that we could be, just like we read here, whole in our spirit, our soul, and our body. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I thank you, God, for the fact that you are taking us on a journey right now that it's probably going to be a little bit difficult, but we recognize you're the one taking us on the journey. You're going to give us the strength. You're going to give us the guidance. You're going to give us the direction. So I pray right now that as we commit to this next couple of weeks and learning what you want us to do when it comes to our emotional health, that, God, you would help us. Reveal to us the areas of our lives that you want to heal us and then give us the courage to come to you, run into you as our Father. Say, heal us, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your love for us. I pray that you bless us, bless our church, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I love you, church family. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10:9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgga.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.